Be sure to check out the brand new Hockey Prospectus 2015-16 book, which is available now in both print and digital download. The book dives into the advanced statistics for all 30 NHL teams, which includes assessments for every player who played in an NHL game last season, and also a team essay for every team as well. To find out more on how to purchase the book, please visit HockeyProspectus.com. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for October 17th of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And hockey is back. We have some NHL discussion to talk about. We have some teams that are doing surprisingly well. We have some teams that are doing surprisingly bad. And we have everything in between. But we're going to start off this podcast by talking about um, some of the surprisingly bad teams. Shall we start yeah, there? Always in the positive. So, um, out of the thirty teams, who's been who's been the biggest surprise at being bad for you? I think at the current moment, I couldn't see Anaheim going zero and zero two and one. I guess. Yep. But um, I have a sense they'll turn it around. I think the other team is Columbus. And while I didn't think I wasn't as high on them as some, them being 0-4 and in a dogfight tonight with Toronto, I mean, that's not very good for them. No, I, I agree. It's it's a little it's a little little baffling in that sense. I, I think for for me the thing that's bizarro for Anaheim in regards to their bad start, um, one goal in three games, and there's another team that has barely scored in four games that you and I both both follow closely. Um, but that Anaheim team has got stacks of firepower up front. Um, it's just surprising that. They've scored one goal in in three games, and it it just goes to show you how the first ten to twelve games of the year it's a crapshoot. You just don't know what you're going to get. I I'm I'm more surprised at Columbus than you are. I really thought that the changes they made up front helped cover up a little bit of the back end deficiencies that I'm sure you think they've got. But I think their biggest problem is what's going on in net, and it really does go to show what a guy like Kerry Price can do to a team and what any other team can have when their netminder falls apart. It exposes those holes a lot larger. Well, this I will say, to your point, Columbus is 30th in the NHL at even strength save percentage at 829. Won't win many games at 829. Is that around about where Minnesota were last year before they got Dubnik? Like, were they that far down the list? Well, the problem is, and you referenced it already, it's very early, very small samples. So to try and... You're right. Same concept. Minnesota was very much struggling last year, and it was goaltender related. Um, But the problem was Minnesota didn't have a goaltender with a track record that was very good. Whereas Columbus has a goaltender who's, who's done quite well, isn't doing quite well, 
I believe they started him again this this evening, and he's given Jesus up. Christ. He's given up five. Jesus, he's a mess. Sergey Bobrovsky <laughs> is a mess right now. Um, this is going to sound Russianist, but is there something with Russian goaltenders and and being like roller coasters in their career? Like you look at Valamov, he was the same. Um. Freaking the space cadet, he was the same. Happy Bourne was the same. It's like they just, it feels like there's no consistency in, in what they they offer. Whereas you get a Swedish goaltender yeah. and they're gener- generally pretty, pretty I consistent. I don't know. Gustafsson's not very good. No, no, that's well. Has he ever been considered elite? No. Bobrovsky has. Valamov has. It's like their ceilings are absolutely ridiculous, but they don't seem to have any consistency in what they provide. So Columbus had better hope he, he gets his garbage together because if he doesn't, that's going to be a, a painful, painful year for a team that by many was expected to at least compete the um, for the playoffs. Yeah, I didn't think they would be pushing for the division championship, but I did think that you know they'd be pushing for the playoffs but they're down five to three right now they're staring 0 five at the face and yeah it's early in the year you you really don't know until the 15 20 game mark at least you can start to understand who a team is yeah but you could but you the, could but lose the points your... the points mean yeah. the same right now like, as they yeah. do in in march yeah. so losing them now is equal just because we don't know who they are right now doesn't mean the points are any less. No, and, and, and that's the problem. You can lose your playoff spot in the first 20 games of the year. Like, it might take them to, you know, 10 to 15 games to get their shit together, and then they get it together, but they're, what is it, 3-12 three and three and 12 or, or something like that with a couple of OT losses in there, and they're so far behind that eighth spot that the, you, you're constantly chasing, and it's one of those things, like, Pittsburgh fans are used to seeing their team come out, bust out of the gates and just get a massive lead. And you can see how important those early season points were for them last year because they choked their way into the the playoffs with that roster because it was so injured. Um, If Pittsburgh get off to a slowish start, they won't have that luxury this year. Like, they're not like Montreal who are... You know, five and zero. They've got breathing room all of a sudden for themselves for the for the rest of their division. But the, the the probably the good thing for Anaheim in regards to them looking like they're going to turn it around. They've only given up eight goals in three games, so it's not like they're getting blown out of the water. They'll work out how to score. Corey Perry, Ryan Getzlaff, Ryan Kessler. Um, they know how to put the puck in the back of the net. They're gonna be they're gonna be okay in that sense. So. That feels like it's more likely to turn itself around rather than Columbus, who, apart from Ryan Johansson, and I still wouldn't quite put Brandon Sard in the... Well, Brandon Sard has three goals. No, I I fully appreciate that. But, like, they're relying on Foligno to have yet another career. You know what I mean? There are guys that they need to step up and have career years just to make sure they don't regress. Yep, you're right Uh, on um, that. And they're they're relying on like guys like Boone Jenner, one to stay healthy, which would be great for them, but he then to obviously tonight. have another career. So once again, it probably comes back to that back six that you you did discuss earlier in the in the year about it just not being up to snuff. 
I'm surprised they're about to be 0-5, but I'm not surprised that they're not this team that some people pick them to be, if that makes any yep. sense. No, I agree. Totally agree. Uh, Brandon Saad, three goals in the first four games. I don't think he has any tonight. As Obviously, we're recording this podcast as these games are going, but um, no. Yeah, there's two and a half minutes left in the third period, and Toronto's up 5-3, so Columbus looking to be 0-5. Um, not, not good for them in the Metro. That's that's a tough division as it is, and they're, you know, giving away points right now. It's it's actually quite funny. Before the start of the year, a lot of people were saying that the Metro and the Central would be the two toughest divisions in the league this year, which if you go back a couple of years, the Metro certainly didn't look that way. But if you have a look at how some of those Metro teams have started, you've got New Jersey, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Columbus – all in the lower half of the league. The Rangers are 13th in the league. It's not... Well, yeah, you've got the Rangers 13, you've got the Islanders 15, and Philadelphia 16. That's not exactly what you'd call pressing to show that it's the toughest league, uh, toughest conference in the league. And they haven't really been playing each other yet to be able to say that they're just, you know, knocking the stuffing out of, out of each other. So it, it's going to be interesting to see... Where the deck shuffles by the time you get to, to game 20 and you've played a quarter of the year and you can kind of get a feel for what everyone's like. So who knows? It might wash out this way and, and the divisions are different to what they are. I mean, if we flip flip it over and you look at Arizona, there's no way in hell I would have thought they'd be 3-1 and one with you when you have a look at who they played in those four games. Oh, Arizona? Yeah. I mean, they beat... L.A. Pittsburgh back-to-back. Back-to-back to open their year. And then they beat Anaheim. And yeah. Wow. <laughs> right? Like, they were yeah, supposed to get... be, they're supposed to be battling for 30th with New Jersey. Yeah, but these you young kids the... are saying, no, we're Screw pretty that, good. Yeah. So we're, gonna, we're actually going to score some goals. Does that come back to Mike Smith? They've given up six goals in four games. Like, is this the Mike Smith that was expected to to be like this? Like, are we going to end up with the Mike Smith that they had last year that was a tie fight? Like, you just you just don't know. So far, Mike, well, let's be honest. Um, I'm going to be honest. I, I watched Mike Smith against the Penguins. He was outstanding. He yeah. had a great game. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the Mike Smith all year. I think that would be a hard standard to follow. Um, last year... You know, he was kind of blah. If they get Mike Smith of last year, 30th is a chance. If they get Mike Smith of two years ago and three years ago, then that's probably going to screw up their whole thought process of getting Austin Matthews the local boy. Do you know what I'm saying? So It's a, it's you know, a low chance to get the local boy, but yes, I get what you're saying. I, yeah. However, I think the, the, the other... Um, Max Domi and Duclair are are doing just fine at preventing this thirtieth thing. I mean, they're they're, they're playing good. awesome, very fun to watch. Yes, that's the, I was about to say they're very good fun to watch. Throw Austin Matthews into that. Hey, well, yeah, uh, you got OEL on the back there as well. So and then move him to Seattle or yeah. 
Dakeroff Matthews did not move into Seattle. The league will keep them there. <laughs> it's the reality. But yes, I agree with that sentiment. <laughs> but Arizona's like what? I was watching them. Uh, Who they play? I don't know. I've just been watching them, and they've been. You know, when you have players that are very fast and skilled and exciting to watch, it's it's fun. I I seek that out. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's 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 um it's much better. <laughs> it's much better to watch than what they have been. Um, and they're doing a pretty good job when you consider the coach they've got isn't usually one that allows offensive flair to shine. So it does show you how good they are at what they do at the moment. They're riding high. I guess there's another team that's a little bit of a surprise, um, other than Pittsburgh, on a slow start, and that and that would be the Chicago Blackhawks. See, this is the thing. It's they've played five games. They're two and three. So that's not like a, a terrible start. No, but, but you did mention to me before the before we did the podcast a particular stat that's very interesting. Yeah, they only have 10 goals in five games played, and that's the lowest in the division. And I think they've played the most games. Yeah, so his offense going to be... Two goals a game for Chicago seems like, what the hell's going on here? And um, they went like five or six periods without a goal. I can relate to that. (laughs) But... You know, you're starting to see vulnerability there. Not that they're not a, still a good team. Not that they can't make the playoffs or make a push. I just don't think they're set up this year to be an elite team anymore. Well, if that makes any sense. And it's tough. Yeah. It's really tough in this. That's in the a cap. cap. And. You know, maybe they proved me wrong, but I I just think there's other teams that are closing the gap on them now. Yep, and that's because they've got cap space and they don't have two players that are making twenty one million <laughs> in the in the cap. So it's it's the reality, and it, it's sort of the, the way it should be. I know that it it punishes success. I, I get that argument against the cap, but it does allow other teams, if they get it right, to at least have a crack, no matter what market they're in. I think we'll enjoy that. Yeah. So if we go back to the positives, I've, I've, I'm very high on the fact that Montreal are five out of five. I really didn't think that's the surprise to me. I thought that they'd be, you know, in the positive, but I really didn't think they'd be five and five, but it's the usual candidates. I mean, they've only got six goals against in five games. And I know their backups played in one of those, but Kerry Price is carry price of last year and it's great for them if you can believe it it's the first time they've ever started five and oh i thought that's amazing yeah that kind of blew my mind Um, out of of all the years that the what the 26 stanley cups is that what they're at i think so yeah to have not had a team in amongst all the i mean yeah oh it just doesn't seem quite right um what is good for montreal though 16 goals in five games. It's over three three goals a game. So for a team that is usually offensively challenged, um, it's, a, it's a really good sign for them. 
Yeah, and possession-wise, they've been okay, which yeah. isn't a staple of a uh, Michael Terrian team. No. I have I have one negative that is, you know, really a load of baloney, but <laughs> is that if they'd got off to an 0-5 start um, or a really bad first quarter of the season, Terrian probably would have lost his job, and I think that would be the best thing for that particular roster that they've got. Um, I don't think there's really any chance of him losing his job this year now unless they have a, a red-hot crash halfway through um, because this this team with Kerry Price is definitely a chance to get to the Stanley Cup. I know they've got holes, but every team in the East has got holes, but he helps cover off so many of them, and he is in great early-season form. So I, I think they need a change of coach more so than anything else to, to help him get over the hump. Well, we both agree on that, but the five and zero start is kind of like, yep. well, yep, here we are. Yeah, how can you? You know, track record speaks for itself. Um, goaltenders that play like Carey Price will hide any flaws that there ever yeah. could be, and um, but they are scoring goals and their possession is good through five games, so I don't want to yep. discredit that. Uh, small no. sample. We'll see if that continues throughout the year. But uh, I am very biased. I remember the 07-08, early 08-09 Penguins where Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin were below 50% possession players with Michael Terry in system. And then when Bilesma came in, it skyrocketed up. So there's my bias. I'm throwing it out there. How can you keep Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby below a 50% possession rate? I think that speaks volumes. You just imagine um, how good Pacioretty might be in a different system. <laughs> He's pretty great. good now. He yeah. might be one of the best or the best contract in the league. Yeah. What does he see? Four yeah. and a half mil. He puts up almost 40 goals a year. That's a yep. great contract. He's an under-the-radar star, really. I don't think he gets the credit that, you know, he deserves. I consider a superstar someone that you can put the franchise on their back. He can't quite do that. He doesn't have to. They've already got someone in net that's done that for him. So, but he's great. He comes close. He does. He he certainly does. I mean, if if Kerry Price went down, and hopefully he doesn't, um, then it would be on his shoulders, and I think he'd be almost capable of doing that for them to keep him afloat until Price got back. So... It'll be um, it'll be interesting to see. Anyone else that surprises you in a positive manner? Um, how's Florida doing? I wanted you to start firing up. <laughs> Are they doing okay? I think so. I think there's one particular that's really helping other players do okay. The fact that they've scored 14 goals in four games, um, I think says a lot in regards to one very old man helping some very young Guess talent. who's in the top 10 <laughs> NHL scoring right now? <laughs> double J, would it, double J. Would it, would it be possible for J squared to be able to stay in that for the whole year? Because if he yes, does, yes. those kids that he plays with are going to be great. You can actually, you can see it. Like I, I, I watched Florida games. One, I, I like Luongo. Obviously, Yago, but to see some of those young kids coming through, Aaron Ekblad is amazing. Um, I think his impact in regards to how they can get the puck out of the zone. Like, they might have their problems when they're in their own zone, but 
you know, when you've got guys like Campbell and, and well, Eckblad, who should future Penguin Brian Campbell, right? Right? Yeah. Right. Well, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you can, when you can get the puck, nice call. When you can get the puck out of the zone, as well as they do to those guys with speed, it's not fair if you're the, the other team defending. It's really, it, it sucks. It's really hard. So, um, Florida's going to be fun to watch. Whether or not they'll be a bubble team again, they get some things go their way to, towards the end of the year. Is in they run hot. They might run their way into the playoffs. Um, and when you've got a guy like Lou who can get hot at the right time and you've got a guy like Jaeger who, as a general rule, is reasonably clutch, um, I don't think I'd want to play against Florida. Jaeger's awesome. And now he's got some young bucks with him, Huberdo and, and Barkov, that kind of do I – don't, I don't want to say the heavy lifting, but, like, they have speed. They're getting in there. Um and then if they can get it to Yager, he'll buy more time for them. Yeah. Well, Yager doesn't have to carry the puck length of the ice. He just skates down the other side of the ice. If he has to touch it, he will give it straight back to the younger legs. Then he just gets in position, sticks his ass out, and he's impossible to move. So the one thing I'll give Yager is he knows physically what he can do, and he plays within those limits. He doesn't try to do too much. At least he hasn't at the start of the year. When it starts to get tight, he might start to try and do a little bit more, and he's... Um, physical assets might fail his brain, but right now he's got it all worked out. You want to know something that I'm just so happy about? I, I was, uh, let's see, 1990 when he was drafted, 90-91 Stanley Cup. I was eight years old when his rookie year when they won the Stanley Cup. I'm, I'm 33 years old right now, and I still get to talk about him as an active player who's <laughs> kicking ass. <laughs> I love it. My one of my childhood stars is just kicking ass to the point that you know I now have a podcast that I can talk about it. <laughs> and hey, I'm, in, I, I'm in the same So thrilled, and and they played the Sabers the other night, and and being here in Rochester, uh, you know, that's the home market. He destroyed. Um, the water bottle on his uh, second goal. He just roofed. Classic Yager coming off the right side, little shimmy shake, quick release, upper dog over the, the short side and just exploded that water bottle. I mean, how do you not like this guy? Uh, just just quickly, what's the mood like uh, in, in the local market with Eichel? From what I can gather on Twitter, pretty exciting. Oh, yeah. Um, Buffalo is a very smart hockey market. Um despite some of the um, Buffalo News uh, guys that were apparently shamed by their losing last year, um, which, you know, very short-sighted, very dated approach that clearly shows a lack of understanding of how to get better in the, the current landscape of the NHL. Didn't, didn't feel like the fans were on board with that theory. It really did feel like it oh, was the, the fans push. were on board they knew what was yeah. going on and and guess what they love 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 the result of it and how can I you sh- not push. that goal that um what was it columbus yeah uh, i think yeah, it was probably. the scene that we beat up <laughs> earlier jack eichel just comes up swoops strips um on a back check at the offensive blue line just swoops in steals the puck from the columbus guy and just turns around Do the jack johnson sniped. I can't go quite that far. I don't think it was. <laughs> um, but he snipes Bobrovsky 
yeah, he's not playing well right now, but from where he shot it from to beat any NHL goalie, I mean, you got to place it. And, you know, Jack Eichel's going to be a superstar for them for many years, and um, the climate like, here is... I like the fact that he's so excitable on the ice, like, celebrates a goal hard, works hard both ways. It's just, yeah, it's really good for the market to have a, a star around for at least eight more years to to do what he does. He'll be a lifer. Hope so. Yeah. There's no way they let that get away. Good owner. Throw money at him. They'll be fine. Uh, anyone else surprising? Um, I don't know. I mean, so early on. It is. It, it really is. I mean, you, you look at Washington, they've only got four points. They've only played three games. They've still got a positive win-loss ratio. So it, it's it's hard this early in the year. Some teams have played five, if not six games. Um, other teams have, have barely played. So the schedule is always difficult this early. Well, I guess the one thing surprising about Washington was benching their captain, which I thought was... Oh, how retarded was that? I um, I was not a big fan of that decision, and I know a lot of people will kind of be on the side of Barry Trotz saying, you're setting a standard for the team, nobody's above the team, and, and this and that. And Alex Ovechkin has been um, one of the best players in the history of the game for the decade that he's been in the sport he's absolutely not shown that he's not a team player at all once during the, this decade and if he once has a, a an alarm clock snafu who gives a shit i mean really are, right right i mean yeah hey look he he got there and was when Washington went through that phase where they sort of didn't know who they were as a team, what they wanted to be as a team, as much as he hated it, he still tried to get on board with that. You know what I mean? Like, he tried to change who he was as a player. So you can't tell me that he's not a team player. He wants to win. He wants to win a Stanley Cup. It's pretty obvious that he wants to do that. To say that this is setting a standard so that it doesn't look like he has a different set of rules compared to someone else, if he's done that three or four times and they're not telling us, that might be a little different. But... I could just never think that Ovi's done that and it wouldn't have got out. So to do it once, it, it's just stupid. Like, it's just baffling. I don't understand why you would, yeah. And not that Ovi probably would have changed it, but they got absolutely spanked that game as well. Five so, nothing. Five nothing. Yeah. And you just sort of sit there with it and it's, oh, I don't know. So, <sighs> so it's one of these things, oh, we're setting a standard for the team. Nobody's above the team. If if somebody's above the team, it'll destroy the team. Does anybody really believe in that? <laughs> in their heart that if they let Ovi play that game, the locker room would fall apart. Like, no, I, I mean I, this is so asinine. That team of that team revolves around that man. He hits a slump, and, and the way that entire roster sort of works it, it makes things a whole lot harder don't forget they're, they're still without backstrom as well 
So, you know, two-thirds of their top line are MIA at the moment if you get there and you pull him out of a lineup. So it's just, like we said, points earlier, just as important as points late. You might not know what team you've got, but if you can bank some points early, it, it really, really helps. So, you know, San Jose just won their four and zip after giving up three goals in four games. That Martin Jones is looking okay at the moment. Yeah, he is. San Jose, Paul Martin, looking good. Yep. I miss Paul. Yeah, I have a feeling we might have a few references to him through the year. <laughs> He's so freaking hey, good. They won that without Couture with his, his leg fracture as well. So one of the things that um, it'll be interesting to see how they how they go filling that hole for the next four to six. But, um, you know, de- defensively they're, they're sound at the moment. It'll just be a matter of whether they can keep scoring. I mean, they're almost clicking at four goals a game. So hopefully for San Jose's sake, they keep it going. Well, this I'll say. You said San Jose's been filling the net, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they just won in a shootout over New Jersey 2-1. to one. So Corey Schneider is going to be a problem for the New Jersey Devils this year. Yes, yes, he will. And... It's one of those things. I, I think we reiterated a couple of times through the off season. Trade him away, yes. not because not because he's bad. It's because he's good, and it'll be a bad result for Jersey. Trade him away. Get back some really good young assets that are going to be good in a few years' time. He'll be part- thirty-four shots by the Sharks tonight. One yeah, goal, I wonder how many of those. Goal. I wonder how many of those are in the red zone as well. That I don't know offhand, but yes. You know what I mean? So you just get there and think to yourself, it's such, it's not really a shame, but, and I know we'll bring this up a lot when it comes to Vancouver, but they got rid of two number one goalies and have got an A Ryan Miller in there. And I don't care if he plays good or not. It's six million they've got back there at the moment. And I don't think he's going to give them six million dollars worth of production for a position that you definitely think if you just get league average, you can win with. They need more than that, though. I no, think. I know. Yeah, no, I, I get that argument with... Yeah, I know what you're saying there. But, yeah, it's just one of those things where after having riches in that position, they, they really have uh, filtered out a, a lot of talent up there. But, yeah, Jersey, get rid of Schneider, get back some high-level draft picks, and look, take the Tim Murray approach. Just keep trading them away if they're any good. The goalies, make sure you are bad. And he was trading away mediocre goalies. I mean, New Jersey no, no. can get a haul for Schneider. Correct. Yeah, he was literally just getting rid of the goalies for the sake of it. I don't think he really cared what he got back. Um, but, yeah, if, if I was Ray Scherer, I'd be looking at, at five years down the track and, and, and trying to work with it that way. Because, you know, uh, they've got... Who, who could take a Schneider trade? Well, where would that make sense? It's actually, you know what? It's actually a really good question. Um, if Anaheim fell out of love with their two goalies, maybe. Yeah, but why they're good is because they don't pay a lot. No, I. Oh, hey, I'm I'm down with your theory, but they've actually got the cap space to take Schneider on this year. If they get to the deadline, 
although that might be too late for Jersey, if you know what I mean. But if they get to the deadline and go, don't really trust Anderson, don't really trust Gibson. Is it Hudoman that's back there as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, and that, and, he got shelled. Yeah, and, and, I, and don't really trust Hudobin. You get there and you put Corey Schneider on that team and have Anderson, because you can just trade Hudobin across in the, in the trade for, for whatever, whatever. And yeah, that, that would be one place I, I think that he would fit very, very nicely um, for that team. Because I'm, I'm trying to look down the team and I can't, I can't see. Anyway, St. Louis would be a team, but they don't they don't have space. Yeah, that's the thing. Like Anaheim are set up. If and you did mention this to me in the off season, Anaheim have got space at the moment to do things for a couple of years. The problem they've got is past two years, cap starts to get really tight. Now, if you go and add Schneider, I can't remember how long his actual deal is, but that starts to really screw up the cap space moving down the track. So it would literally be for probably this year and next year that you do that, and then they're going to have to start pulling some pieces away from that roster. So it would be one of those sort of gambles. Um, Winnipeg, maybe. They've got cap yeah. spaces. I don't know if uh, um, Schneider has no trade stuff, but, yeah, Winnipeg would make sense from a Win- hockey standpoint. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like I'm, You get there and think, well, who's got the cap space that could, could use someone like that? So Because that's the thing. Many have shored up, well, at least they think they've shored up what they've got in the back end. Obviously, San Jose are happy. Um, you're not going to trade him to Philly because he's in division and Philly suck anyway at the moment. Um, well, they're doing okay. <laughs> early, early in the year. Yeah, what do you do with what do you do with the Islanders? Well, they got Halak. Yeah, but if you got to have him stay healthy, and he's been Buffalo? sort of up and down. Buffalo, Buffalo. Get him to the well. That's the thing. Corey I mean, Schneider, Buffalo. Do you reckon he can fill up enough hot? Okay, so you get to Christmas and it's perfectly obvious that New Jersey are winning games they shouldn't because of because of Schneider and they're starting would, to pull away. Would that from be the, the splash though for Buffalo? Top five it goalie. Would. It would. With the fact that Tim Murray forked out some coin and draft picks for Robert Lehner, who's already injured. Yeah, whatever. But... They had shit to spend there. No, 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 I know. But he doesn't seem like one of those GMs that really gives a toss, if you know what I mean. He just goes, what's good for my team right now? I'm just going to do it. I don't care what anyone else thinks. So, um, you know, he, he copped a fair bit of flack for some of the players he bought in and then obviously the goalies that he shipped out. But he knew what he was doing. He had a plan. He was set on getting um, the McEichel option, uh, which he did. So you're right, Buffalo could be. If they're sniffing around about, I don't know, end of January, I would look at pulling the Schneider trade then if I could. Um, Give one, because them you're not a pull- 2016 first-round pick and then maybe yeah. add to that? Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Schneider yeah, to Buffalo. And it comes down to it, it really comes down to where the ratio has learnt from his time in Pittsburgh, and we won't know uh, until a couple of years, I suppose. But if he wants to get a, a superstar and have a superstar in his lineup, he needs to tank it this year. He came into Pittsburgh with the pieces in place. He has to work out how to acquire a top level talent, and getting rid of a top five goalie is one way to do it. Especially when you're not in a position to win, because the goalie's only going to hurt the cause. Yeah, he's going to end up having them be, 
be like 21st and 22nd in the league rather than 29th, 28th, 30th. You know what I mean? So those four or five draft spots is a different. It can be the difference sometimes to changing your franchise and having them be mediocre. So do I start a Corey Schneider to Buffalo rumor for first round plus? Is that what I'm doing? Then why not? Why not? I mean, I think it makes sense for both teams. It does, but then that's the thing. I think it makes sense for the three teams we discussed in regards to Winnipeg, Anaheim, and Buffalo. Um, and it makes sense for, for Buffalo the most, I think, because he signed to a long enough term deal that if they peak with Eichel early in his career, like Crosby and Malkin did in Pittsburgh, they're still he's Eichel will still be on the cheap, you know what I mean? So it could all sort of happen rather quickly and you want to have a goalie there that you can trust and you know, Robert Leonard has shown flashes of being good but can never stay healthy. They have so much cap space they don't even know what to do with it though. So that's yeah. not even an issue. Next year they lose David Legwan's three million um, oh, Jesus, radio. <laughs> <laughs> so right there, it's like, all right, no, right. whatever. They're, they're and they loose. have $10 million in space right now. Yeah, so they're loosey-goosey with that sort of stuff. I mean, you don't want to go throwing it away to people that don't deserve it, but you're right. a top-five right. goalie. No, that, that's the thing. You're not throwing it away for no reason at all. That's the, it's the, the thing with it. I mean, you, you get there on... Warren Ice's cap at the moment, and um, they've only got one goaltender listed because of Leonard being on on RI. So IR. So that's just funny. But yeah, I, I mean, Jack Eichel's under a million for the next three years. I mean, he's got plus bonus. Yeah. So you know. <sighs> That the Buffalo is, is going to be a very interesting case study in regards to you compare them to the way Edmonton went about things and the way Buffalo have gone about things. I don't compare them um, to. No, but you, you look at the way Edmonton have tried to go about it and they're terrible and you look at the way Tim Murray's gone about it. At the moment, they're apples and oranges. But if, if Buffalo make it to the playoffs before, uh, before um, the Oilers do... They will. Then you got to get there and go back to the oil and go, you guys should have moved away from all your wonderful 1980s great players management-wise. And maybe they have worked it out now, but good grief, as Charlie Brown would say. Shall we dive into our expertise? What, the, uh, the Penguins? Yeah. Yeah, why not? All right. So. Oh, hang on. Before we do that, were we going to discuss... Were we going to discuss the contract stuff with Richards, or were we just going to ignore that because it's just a load of crap? Uh, we have a listener question later that we will address that with. Just wanted to check. Okay, we will address that because I think it's complete dog shit. <laughs> so we we will address that later <laughs> but splashing into the penguins um they were 0 and three which isn't very good for what the expectations are there 
Um, they, you play Dallas opening night, and quite frankly, Dallas is one of my favorite watches in the entire league. They are tremendous, tremendously offensively skilled, and you know you lose opening night to them. It's whatever. Losing to Arizona um, back when they're coming off a back to back, yeah, that's that rubbed me the wrong way that night. But now that they're like three and zero, and they've beat some pretty good teams, it's like well. All right, whatever. Losing does, to yeah. who? Oh, Carrie Price. You know, it sounds like I'm making excuses, but you know these things happen. Even if you're playing okay, yeah. I think they were just playing okay. They weren't. Pittsburgh certainly wasn't playing good. So you can understand at the Reno or sorry, an zero and three start. Yeah, totally agree. It's just, yeah. It's funny. The game that they win, a couple of lineup changes and everybody's all over the coaching staff saying finally. But it's not stuff that you, that if you're a Penguins fan, you sort of didn't expect to happen. That player comes out, all of a sudden they look like they can move the puck a little better. Who is that player, Walshy? Oh, do I have to say it? Yeah, it's Roberto. Roberto, the piece, Scuderi. This is the thing. He is the piece now. He's the piece that has to not be in the lineup. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And um, here's here's the good news if you're a Penguins fan. Personally, I do not believe that benching Rob Scuderi is going to be a nightly thing. I don't think it's going to be a permanent thing. But the seal has been broken. The coaching staff has shown that they will sit him down. This is something that did not happen last year at all. And they had a better defense core last year. You know? Well, that's, yeah. No, no, I Like, he should have been pushed out last year. They had a really good defense core when healthy. Dupre propped him up all last year. This year, they haven't. Their defense hasn't played well, and they decided, well, this other guy couldn't possibly do worse, Adam Clendenning. So we're just gonna kind of put him in, and Clendenning didn't do a great job. But what I did notice was. The puck skills are obviously way better. He made a few little plays in the neutral zone, like little area passes that just wouldn't have happened with Skidari. And if your concern is, well, can his replacements play in the defensive zone? Just throw that aside because Skidari cannot play in the defensive zone either. So let's not pretend that's a thing. Screening, screening your goalie is not playing defense. That's just the reality of how it works. So it's it's unfortunate, but that's that's how it is. But it was nice to to see that that decision was out there and made. Whereas yeah. in the past, they they 
they didn't entertain that idea. Um, you know, it's the defense core still not great. It's a weakness. Yeah, but if you're a Penguins fan that's paid any attention to it, we all kind of knew that that was going to be the the gap. That that's the hole that that needs to be fixed. Look, give Rutherford credit; he managed to fill, uh, improve in a hell of a lot of areas in in that forward depth that the Penguins have been crying out for for years. But that one blunder of a trade that he made last year has really hurt this team because of his inability to at least keep one of Erhoff and Martin. So, at some point here, is he going to mortgage? more first-round draft picks to try and bring in an expiring top-four contract for that back end? Like, how is he going to fill that hole? Is Derek Pouliot going to come up and actually be what everyone freaking hoped him hoped that he would be, you know, at the end of the year, looking like he's going to come through? I think Brian Dumoulin is actually probably going to pan out to be a top-four defenseman. But they really need him at the moment to be a, a number three, not a, a promising number four. Olimata needs to get back to the Oli Marder he was before he busted his shoulder. So ignore the ignore the the, the, um, the tumor stuff because he wasn't the same player that he was before his shoulder injury to the shoulder injury. So he needs to get back to that Oli Marder. Ian Cole's been as advertised as far as I'm concerned. I think he, he's provided me what I expected, but he shouldn't be asked to be a number two. Can and, I draw and your attention back to Oli Marder? Go for it. I like, um, I, I watch him and I see the skill set there and I, and I like it. So what's missing? I don't think anything's necessarily missing, but I think that maybe people are a little bit too bullish on him. His rookie year when everybody was gaga over him, who was <laughs> his partner? Was it Paul Martin? No. Or was it, was it, <sighs> shit, who was it? It was not Paul was it Martin. Was it was not Chris Letang. It was another right-handed defenseman who's severely underrated. He's no longer with the team. No, I'm realizing that. I'm trying to think. He Jeez. may he may or may not be on Washington. Oh, you're talking about Mr. Niskanen. Matt Niskanen, very underrated defenseman. His ability to defend or to defend zone entries, his ability to generate controlled exits. Very underrated, and I think that played a large role in the perception of Ali Mata uh, in his rookie year. I think they're both good players, so that's why that pairing was very good. Um, I don't think that Mata's quite at the level of the common perception of him yet, and some of that has to do with just the... Just complete shit luck of having cancer, of all things, then mumps, and then dual shoulder surgeries. So I get that there's uh, just a ridiculous amount of stuff going against him. But when he was healthy, he did have quite the partner in a sheltered role. So I'm not saying that he's not going to be a good defenseman. I'm just saying some of the reasons that we think he's like a bona fide top pairing. Like people talk about him being a bona fide top pairing defenseman. 
he may get to that point. But I think a lot of our perceptions that have led us there have been uh, uh, usage-related with with Niskan in there. Uh, Some people may not agree with me. They may not think Matt Niskanen's a very good defenseman, but I I think he's underrated. Um, yeah, I've got I've got no reason to argue with that assessment of, of, of Niskanen. Um, the Penguins, you know, probably really wanted to keep him, but it's, it's kind of hard to. Well, they needed kind... to give him the Ian Cole deal before his pending UFA year. Yeah, and they probably could have. And I think they screwed up there. No, yeah. I don't. I just. I don't know. I don't know what you could do in that. You have Pittsburgh have had three top four defensemen walk with nothing in return, and I could have included Brooksorpic in that. But when he left, he wasn't a top four defenseman. So, yeah. I just, I don't know. It's tough in a cap world. It's one of those things where, and I, I said this to you earlier earlier in the year, can we have last year's defense with this year's forward grouping and you, you've got a great team. So it, it shows you how hard it is to, to keep a team together enough to do something good. So I, I don't know. Look, one one of those things that, that's, that's been great is that Fleury's been average. Um, he's let in a couple of goals that he shouldn't have, and it's no, about he's what been you'd above expect. average so far. I didn't like it's... the uh, Montreal goals at all, the second and third short side, but he's played well. He just—it just feels like roller coaster-ish. Good, bad, good, bad, and in the end, his season average is going to be okay. I'd like to just see a little bit more consistency from him, but but we'll see. I mean, he hasn't had a he hasn't had a five on five save percentage below ninety percent yet. No, no, he's been he, he's thirteenth in the league right now in that, and that's fine. So yeah, hopefully he can um he can make me look right by saying he will continue what he's had the last two years, and that's a trend. Three in a row is a trend. No, you're right, and that would be good for <laughs> Pittsburgh considering the extension starts. This year, yeah, yeah. Uh, they need to get that value out of that money. Well, it's it's one of those. It's one of those. Ignore the value out of the money. Your goalie can cover up defensive zone problems. Now we've just discussed the fact that Pittsburgh's biggest problem is going to be how they exit the zone to get the forwards the puck with speed, so they can spend as little time as possible in that defensive zone. Because Pittsburgh have looked trapped at times because. Even with the tang on the ice, they can't get the puck out of the zone. So Fleury's going to have to give them every cent of that contract of his to make sure that he can cover up those mistakes. I don't want him to be Carey Price, but he just has to. I, I do he want has him to. to be Carey Price. I just don't think no, he's going to be Carey Price. No, if if he can be, if he can be, oh, I can't even think of a mental freaking. Comparison: If he can, ju- if he could be two thousand and eight playoff Fleury, then Pittsburgh are going to be okay. Well, who is six- He was awesome that year. Yeah, I know. That's true. They just, they just, they. 
I think it all like, it comes back to that top four. They need to get someone to fill that top four. Like if you can have Ian Cole be your number three and Doonal and be your number four, that puts um, Oli Marta somewhere in that fifth slot with Lovejoy as as your number six. Like that's the thing. If they just get someone that could be a top, well, Mr. they'll Campbell. probably end up trading. So that, that's this like you, I don't know. It, it's just one of those things where go well, Florida has to play bad for my little magical Campbell thing to happen. And I don't think Bufflin's going to go away from because that's the other one that you sort of hear around there occasionally is that Bufflin's going to walk, so they're going to trade him. But Pittsburgh can't fit him in the cap anyway, so they'd have to give up something to create a couple of things to create the space for that to happen so hey look chicago proved you can win a cup with three top well actually they have three top pairing defensemen when you think about it in regards to one yeah so you don't have to have the depth all the way down your back six but you've got to have quality in that top three if you're going to do it that way and chicago certainly do with keith seabrook and charles and so um Pittsburgh need to find a way to get their to get their back end right, or they're going to struggle at times through the year. So, who knows? One of the kids might step up and, and consistently improve. Oli Marta might get to that level this year that, like you said, people are expecting. But oh, I don't know. All I know is they're going to be fun, much much more enjoyable to watch than they have been the last well, the last couple of years of the Bilesma era. Sid, no points, four games. What's the deal? He's sulking. Do you think? I've no idea. It just doesn't look right. It, it, I, it would make sense to me if Phil Kessel had a bazillion shots in wrong spots because Sid just kept passing to him. He just looks out of sync. You know, there are things that he he gets into positions to do particular things and he does them and it's just a little bit NQR and you, you just wonder what the hell's going on so i i expect him to do very well points wise through the year the team doesn't need him to lead the league in scoring we both expected him to um but <laughs> we picked him for Hart and Art ross and four games in doesn't have a point <laughs> yeah it's, it's just it's just not looked right i, I don't know what it is or, or anything like that like the thing is i was saying with gino until you know, the Ottawa game, he sort of looked like he was on the coast as well. So um, it's just bizarre. Like, you look at that. Is it player usage? Is he upset with how he's being used? The power play seems to be a big problem with the fans in Pittsburgh. They finally decided to put the first power play unit back together. So I'm not exactly sure. One, what the player himself wants, and two, what the expectations are inside the locker room from the coaching staff. I think with a guy like Sid, you give him a guy like Kessel, knowing the situation he came from in Toronto, you want to make him feel welcome and all that. I think Sid's pressing a little bit early on, not playing natural. And I think in about 25 30 games we'll all have a chuckle about how he started the year pointless in four games yep i can i can see that now that's not to say he hasn't um he he has not played at the Sidney crosby 
level to this point. And I'm not saying to people that are critical, you're wrong. I'm just saying, hey, he's got this sample size that says, hey, I'm pretty good. <laughs> so I'm going to ride with that. And I think with Phil Kessel, they're going to start to be pretty good. And furthermore, I know Chris Kunitz catches a lot of flack. I don't think he's been that bad. Yeah, but he's, you said this yourself. He needs tangible results to warrant his spot up there. So how long do you give him? Well, here's the thing. He's a complimentary piece. Sid has no points through four games. So if the, the main driver of your line has zero, and I don't think that Chris Kunitz is playing like way below what Sid's playing. I don't think Kunitz is holding Sid back right now. You get what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that Chris Kunitz is dragging down Phil Kessel and Sidney Crosby. I watched him the other night. There was a, 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 a sequence where he back-checked his ass off. He got back fast. So for, for people to say that he's, like, skating slow, I, I don't see that criticism being merited. Yep. If you want to start criticizing the hands and the finishing, whatever, but... Let's be honest, he's had some really great one-timers that goalies have stopped so far this year. Or am I wrong? Am I not seeing the same thing you are? No, no, you, you, you're right. It's 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 one of those things where I think that there's a left wing on the roster that's a little further down the lineup that everyone would like to see jump up there and play a few games before the team has to make a decision on him. And at the moment, he looks like he's riding high on adrenaline and confidence. Why not pop him up there and have him play 15 or 16 minutes with the top line, see how he goes? And that way you can make a, a decision in regards to maybe he being the cap saviour that the Penguins need someone to come in and be ridiculously cheap and produce. Sprung? Yeah, spring him out of there. Sprung is sprung. Um, well, I like what I see from from the kid. Uh, I think everybody does. I, I, I like he's going to have problems in back checking and stuff at times, but every... whoa, 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 whoa! Really? Does he though, or is this no, just I... a young stereotype? Like Johnson's like, oh, he's a okay. Johnson said, oh, he's a junior player. Um, the night before today, he clarified it i've coached junior players i know how he is so it didn't come off as negative as the original comment that johnston made but i don't know i mean you throw rab skidari out there is he really a good defender like <laughs> i mean come on yeah no. i know I, I know exactly what you're saying i i get it I, it's a fascinating thing, and I'm not concerned with his defensive shortcomings because when you have raw talent like Daniel Sprong does to, to carry the puck, to have that release, to, to just have the cerebral ability to see the game the way that a, a player like that does, are we really concerned that... If motivation is there, he can't play 
defense is if that's the hard part of the game we're not but the people that are coaching the team are because that's the one thing that they have control over is the defensive system and structure so if they feel like someone's not going to be able to follow instructions they don't want them there it's why Scuderi is still a part of the team in a sense because the coach will say do this for me he'll go yeah sure no worries because he knows if he doesn't he's out of the roster that's for me I think that's what it comes down to it really does come down to which of these players is going to listen to me and which of them isn't and if they don't well then they're not going to be able to do what I want them to do that's the, the way I look at it I think it's a stupid thought process to have but Coaches like to feel like they're in control. And if you've got players that they feel like they can't control, then I don't think they want them in the lineup. And you would assume, well, this is the thing that I also don't get about it, Sprong's a rookie. Like, he's not going to sit there and listen to the goddamn coach anyway. Yeah, he's going to go out of his way to do all these. Like, all right. Bo Bennett, they're like, play tougher. And he starts throwing meaningless hits last year, playing on the fourth line with a bunch of scrubs like, Max Lapierre and Zach Sill, get in there, get tough. You got, you got to earn he your tried. time. He he did just that, and it wasn't effective, but he did it. Um, ironically speaking, it, it was Bo Bennett's injury the last day that gave Sprung the opportunity to score his goal, which is which is fine by me. It, I'm as a Bo Bennett supporter, a very I, I'm always disappointed to, for, for the injury stuff because I, I do think the last three games have shown that he can really help the Pittsburgh Penguins, especially at an $800,000 cap hit or, or $900,000, whatever it is. He was their best forward against Montreal and looked very good. And it wouldn't surprise me that he's hiding injuries at this point in time and he's been playing through and <laughs> no and 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 they caught it between the practices and they're like no you're done you're, you're sitting out and and he's fighting through and playing that well through an injury because of the perception that he's uh made brittle? glass brittle brittle bow all, all that stuff uh you got to look at it through his scope i mean people will crack their jokes about it I mean, do you really think he's thrilled? Do you really think that he loves not playing? I mean, no, to, no, to, to, be the, to be the person that rips him and makes fun of him for injury as if that's a desired result that he has, one, it shows a lack of immaturity or it shows just that you've never been in a... a you've never been a competitive athlete that, that understands kind of what that actually is like you want to compete and you're physically just not able to no fault of your own um it's too bad i i was disappointed to see that they put him on the not the long-term ir right they just put him on the the regular one he's just, seven day he's, he's just yeah he's just on IR. i'm frustrated that they didn't give us what the hell is up because with a player like that, you're always like, "Well, Jesus, what, 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 what now?" But he's played great. That snipe on Carey Price was tremendous. It shows his wrists are back to where they need to be because he, Bo Bennett's had um, wrist problems throughout his career. Uh, that stems back to his career at Denver, uh, playing college hockey. And I, 
I'm fortunate that playing throughout my career, I, I never had wrist injuries, so I've always kind of been able to function within my within my own personal skill set the way that I need to. But yeah, I can I can totally understand w- with wrist injuries like his, like you can't fire off the puck the way you need to. But that Carey Price goal, I mean that that showed that his wrists are perfectly fine. Yeah, which is which is good. So that that was frustrating to me. I, I, uh, man, they they need him in the lineup to be a successful team at that cap hit. Yep. No, no, they they do, and and that's that's the problem that they've got. They they need they need them there. But Glass and Foley gave Sprong the ability to to get uh, his career high thirteen minutes. He scored great goal, great hands. Um, Kevin Porter uh, is a low end NHL player, but this I will say, I watched a lot of his games here in Rochester. Played for the Amherst. He's um, He's a very good AHL player. He's, he he puts up offense at the AHL level, so he's not this inept kind of just grinder guy. Is he a prototypical tweener? Yeah, he he really is. So if yeah. if he if he has time and space, he's going to make okay plays. And as you saw leading up to the Sprong goal, he was able to make a good play in the neutral zone to get the puck to Matt Cullen. Matt Cullen being the best fourth line player the Penguins have had, in, other than Bennett, in forever. And uh, Cullen used the speed, get wide, get it to Sprong. Sprong's quick release, boom! You got a goal from your quasi third fourth line. Yeah, it's that. It's it's funny. You see a lot of fans a little baffled for the the Cullen signing, but that play from a fourth line centre is not something the Penguins have seen in years. And you get there and go, that's how you get fourth line production out of your wingers is being able to put them in situations that they can succeed. And even if Sprong say Sprong stays in the lineup like for the whole year. If he's on your fourth line, you're going to get production out of your fourth line. And it's something just Pittsburgh have not had. So, you know, it's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, where do you see Sprung moving forward? I. It comes down to play usage, I suppose. If he gets more time in, if he gets any time in the top six and succeeds, they'll keep him. How do, how do you get him top six time? You slide Kunitz down the lineup. Will that happen? I don't know. And when I say slide him down, you don't. It's like every second shift, switch him. So you go Kunitz, Sid, Kessel, then Sprong, Sid, Kessel. You just rotate them. Rotate them through. Um, and then whoever you've got playing on the third line, whenever you've got Kunitz off the first, you put him on that third line. That way, he's not, you know, it's not just a straight first to fourth, first to fourth, first to fourth. Like, there are ways to make that rotation work. Because you could even rotate, like, you could then put Kunitz down onto Juno's line, where he has played well before with Juno, 
And Although Perron played very well. No, he, he did. Don't get me wrong, but Perron's shown that at the moment he's got no problem being on that third line. You know what I mean? So if you're trying to massage egos in amongst all of this, there are certain there are certainly ways to go ahead and do that. And it's one of those things where you, you look at Johnson as a coach, how good is he at massaging those egos to make sure they know that this is for the betterment of the team moving forward? I think Chris Kunitz would prefer to win a Stanley Cup as a third-line left winger than, than get to the conference finals as a first-line winger. You know what I mean? Yep. Like you've, got to, you've got to try and sell it that way. It's like, okay, guys, you, you've got to work this out so that we're all together on this, and you'll get slotted where you, the, the team works best. You could end up with three quality lines on this Penguins team. If you end up with Dupuy back in the lineup and Kunitz back, and Kuhn, you know what I mean? Like, they've got places to fit people. It's like We a haven't jigsaw. mentioned one guy. And that's the beauty of all this. Well, Eric, I haven't mentioned... Eric so. Fair, the unspoken... Oh. Like, that's just a mint acquisition to the point where... We're having these discussions, haven't brought him up, but when he's going to be in the lineup, he's going to be a solid guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and right now, as badly as the Penguins have started, and, like, he's expected back, well, I said the end of November, but I have a feeling he'll be back before then. If the Penguins start He was okay, skating today. Yeah, I know. And you know my opinion of bringing players back. If the doc says you're good to go on this date, give him an extra week. I've yeah, but I don't think they're going to rush him back. I'm just saying. He's, that's, he's no, on that's, his that's way. What, they have no need to, to, to rush him back at the moment. The, there's enough depth in that lineup that they don't have to throw. Like you, you remember last year how Gino, was it his knee or his ankle that he hurt? Ankle at the end. Him? Yeah. If Pittsburgh had a, a person they could feel confident of putting up into the second line and not get destroyed like somebody was, I don't think Gino would have come back as early and he would have been healthier for the playoffs. They've got that luxury this year, at least in their forward group. <laughs> Someone goes down in particular in that back end, their season's toast. Um, so they don't have to rush. For, they don't have to rush Bennett back. They can actually make sure he's healthy. So... There's that flexibility and that luxury for this team to be healthy when they need to be. So the other dynamic with Daniel Sprong that I've seen brought up is, do you want to start his entry-level contract? And to me, I think that's a real non-issue. By the time that you're going to have to pay him, guys like Dupuy and Kunitz are going to be off the books. Potentially, Matt Murray may have already pushed Flurry out of town. I know that seems extreme, but that could be a potential situation. If if Daniel Sprong is up for big money, then he's done some pretty kick-ass things that we've wanted the last few years, yes? Yeah, no, it's the thing. It's like if you start his entry-level contract now, by the time it comes around to, to being an issue for the Penguins for cap space and stuff, they're fine. It's, it's not going to be a problem. I don't think so, it's going to be a problem. And no. quite frankly, Alimata, Derek Pouliot, haven't ter- torn the world down. They're not on fire right now. Uh, Alimata with injuries and, and the stuff that we spoke about earlier, Derek Pouliot didn't make the team out of camp. I mean, how much leverage do these guys have right now? 
Uh, right now, not a lot. So not a lot. I'm not. I'm pro Sprong. I um, I'm fine with him staying. I'm fine with him playing in a bottom six role. I really don't think that's going to hurt his development. No, it's hurt, different. Hurt, quote unquote, hurt his development. Okay, let's send him down to the QMJHL, where it's just a free for all shit show, where no defense is being played. And wh- I mean, what's he going to learn there? No, 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 no. And it's yeah, sorry yeah. to interrupt, but no, uh, fuck the CHL transfer agreement. <laughs> I'm so sick of it. Ooh, it protects the junior teams. They'll go out of business. You guys up no. north care about hockey so much. How does shit go out of business? You 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 play that card, but you don't. Well, you're not going to back it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, we love hockey. It's uh, it's everything. We're we're better hockey fans than you. Well, then show up to the game. Oh, sorry, the the guy that shouldn't be playing in your league that's been artificially placed there isn't it isn't there anymore? Oh yeah, you're right. You guys you guys are great. That's <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand I just pissed off a lot of people, but that's that's how I feel. I'm in an AHL city. You have to remember that. So there's mild bias there, but um I don't go to AHL games here anymore. I go I go to the RIT games. They're they're cheaper. They're better. Uh, but what I will say is I, I'm more concerned about the um, what's best for the player than the team at the developmental level. Not not the NHL level, obviously. I'm you know what's best for the team at that high level. They have to make those choices. But at the lower levels, it should be what's best for the player. And many times with this transfer agreement you get these guys like daniel sprung uh miguel gregorenko uh who else is there that's fallen in these cracks Uh, just these guys that you know this agreement's not looking out for no the league's looking after itself and, you know, it's like you said, it's not about the development of the player, which the all those junior leagues are supposed to be about that. But they can't sit there and honestly say that they are because they have to turn a profit to make sure that they can stay afloat. Yeah, but the great yeah. Canadian folk will just show up blindly. They're great hockey fans. Yeah, no, no, I know. I know. It won't matter whether a particular player is missing. I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, we're They're so great. The I'm, I'm consistently told they're so great. Why do I hear a ton of sarcasm in your voice? Well, they're the greatest. They're the they're they're the greatest. Canadian hockey fans are the greatest. They'll show up in droves. So why should it matter? <laughs> they're the best. Uh, the best ever, ever. Oh, good grief! I I'm I'm just thankful that um, I don't have that north of the border complex i'm at the border i know i know no i know well i'm consistently told how great it is so i i (laughs) I fail to see what the problem is with this transfer agreement going away you'll support your teams you love you love hockey it's your lifeblood you're better than us in every way shape and form keep showing up to the games when daniel sprung doesn't show up for his uh you know junior game or 
you know, some of these other guys that are caught between the cracks, you, you just keep showing up. Show us why you're you're so great. I don't think it's going to matter now. You know what I mean? I've made so many people mad. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. But that's Probably. how I feel about it. I mean, what's best for the actual player? That's what I'm concerned about at this level. Because you're screwing yeah, some, it, you're screwing some players over, and and they're good players. And Austin Matthews said and looked at the situation and was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going. Uh, to he work. I'm going to get. Yeah. I'm going to get paid six figures and um, screw the CHL. And I'll be drafted number one next year, and I'll be able, you know, on the rare chance that I don't make the NHL roster, I'll just go to the AHL. And I'll still make money playing hockey. Or I'll go back to Europe and make six figures. Yeah, it'd be, it, yeah, it'd be silly not to. Yeah. So. All right, so that, sorry. Rant's done. But that's how I feel. <laughs> It's a little bit like my um, my suspension rates. <laughs> a little bit. Where I lose it. But that makes that makes sense. I understand that one. All right. You want to? Do we? Have, did you get any questions? Um, I got I got one that was sort of inquiring more about um, the Quebec situation. And whether we think they'll they'll go across there or, or not in regards to a new team or a relocation, something I think we'll cover off at the end of the year. Um, the NHL is trying to claim that they're not interested in expansion in 17-18 anyway at the moment. So it's happening. Quebec will get a team. I mean, oh, it's happening. It's just a question of when I think. Yeah. But like I said, we'll probably discuss that uh, in the off season. We've just got so much that we can talk about right now. Um, let's see here. Brandon Hartland, who will be the most valuable player to the team this season, and why is it Chris Letang? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know what, Mr. Hartland, I can't disagree with you. Um, Chris Letang is the most valuable player to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Why? He's legitimately their only top-pairing guy. And if he goes down, the ship goes down. Um, The only... uh, Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think if he goes down and... Yeah, they're screwed. I think we've said that a few times. I I can't see a situation where they can recover from the, the loss of... The, the loss of Latang. Simple as that. I mean, you could make the same argument with, with Fleury because of who they've got as their backup, but Latang is just. It just he is what he is. He's he's that important. You you sort of can't the avoid straw it. that stirs the drink, as they say. Yeah, well, he's the, he's the one player at the moment on this roster that can actually get the puck to the forwards and join the rush. When he passes it from behind the and defend the rush that he screws up on and do this and do that. I mean, he's that, a freak. That's, that's the, it's the thing with him and Carlson. Yeah, they screw up, but because their skating is so good, they can recover. 
you know, and, and most of the time they recover into a position enough that their goalie at least only has to cover a third of the net. You know, they at least usually get the player into sort of bad angles to shoot. So, you know, whilst they might not be the most physical players going around, and Latang has a mean streak at times, um, I've got no problems with the way either of those guys play. But, yeah, you're right. He's the, he's the straw, most definitely. And if he goes down, there's no Paul Martin, Christian Erhoff, Niskanen. There's, there's nothing there. No. No, there's not. There's 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 no depth at all on that back end. So um, for a team that consistently gets hurt and for a player that has not played over 60 games for about three or four years, there's a lot riding on that health. Okay. At MG Tennyson, with referees putting the whistle away and the potential for another lockout, do you think Sid and Gino will hit 500 goals? Actually, I hadn't. I've not even thought of that as a question. Um, ignore the lockout. I just think that the way the game's being called, it's difficult, and yeah, so it will be tough. Those records from the nineties are going to be difficult to chase down, in a sense. You know what I mean? Like to join that club. I say yes to both. Is that due to longevity of how long they'll play for? Yep. They're not going to hit 700, but they'll hit five. Because the goals per game is just down full stop. Like, that's that's the challenge, is you have a look at the goal-scoring averages back when people were clearing those numbers to what the goal-scoring averages are now, and it's just everything's going in the other direction. So it's just tough. No, it... And Sid, Sid missed the prime of his career due to injury, which is very frustrating. Um, you can probably hear it in my voice. It, <laughs> it, he lost this 23 to 25-year-old just, I'm going to destroy the NHL. So Sid's behind his actual pace. In my opinion, and, and even Gino blew out his knee during that same time period. So they've kind of been robbed by both the era they've played in as well as serious injury. And I still believe they'll both hit 500. I, I think they're that special of a player. I think Alex Ovechkin, obviously, well, that's that's a given. He's Alex Ovechkin may hit 750, 800. That I, I feel that strongly about his ability. His shot is <laughs> amazing, freaking yeah. ridiculous. But but who else from this era is going to hit that? Stamkos. That was the first person that sort of popped in into my head would be would be Stamkos. Um, and that depends on his next big decision too. Well, yeah. it, it it also probably depends on say he stays in Tampa. It's going to depend on his on player usage as well. So all of that sort of stuff's tied into that next big decision that he's got to make. You, you're exactly right. He's going to need players around him to be good, to help him be good as, as well. I think we've seen that with all the top-line players in, in the league, is that that's something that you need. You can't do it on your own in this sport. 
anymore. Not that you ever really could unless you were Gretzky and, and Lemieux, but even they needed a supporting cast for their numbers to explode. So I, I don't know. Like, you, you sort of get there. You don't know enough about McDavid and Eichel to say what they're going to do further on down the track. They got no prayer uh, if it stays the status quo. At least Ovechkin and Crosby and Malkin had like a mini head start. Oh, what, before the league decided to go back to old school? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't, like, Stamkos is the one that sticks out for me in in that sense. He, he really does in regards to being able to do it. But you sort of ring your way mentally through the top-line scorers in the league in every team. And I can't, like, Corey Perry's on the wrong side of his age to be able to do it and he just doesn't quite score at the same rate as good as he is. You know what I mean? So He cost me money yesterday. <laughs> How was that? I did one of those silly daily games. I lost by, uh, uh, I did one of those 50-50 ones where you, you bet uh, whatever amount you bet, and you can double it up. I lost by uh, point, 0.02, and, and he was a dog last night, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him, whatever. You know, it's yeah. my choice no, to do it. But, yeah, no, he, he was he was my uh, one of my bigger expenditures. He, he came up short. Yeah. And so, you know, what about the Sedins? Whichever one of it is, it's just, I can never get, I never separate the two of them properly. Like, where are they at for goal score? Have they already cleared 500? I don't know. No way. How many have they scored? I don't know. I bet you, I bet you they're in that three hundred range, being as old as they are, because they share everything, right? Jeez, t- it it shows you. All right, I'll start. I'll start with Henrik, two twelve. So he's not even close. He's not hitting it. No. Three hundred and twenty-eight for Daniel. Yeah. So between the two of them, they're barely cracking it. And they Jesus. And they, they, this is the thing. They're both Hall of Fame players. They're both 35. I just want to say something now that you've got us on this little Sedin kick. And I don't mean to be anti-Sedin. I think they're great. 1,065 games played for Daniel... 884 points. You would think they would be point a game guys. Oh, or, I thought that. I thought they'd be closer to that. I agree. Right or wrong? Am I like yeah. insane here? Like no, no, no. I, I to agree. be that I far below the point a game pace. Uh, 1096 games for Henrik and 917 points. Like you think about the Sedins, like, and you watch them. They kick ass. <laughs> Yeah, but wow! I, I well, I guess I'm I'm surprised that they're under a point you know, of players. You know, I'm just looking I'm just looking through Daniel's history with the Canucks. Right, he started slowly. He really, really did. One, two, three, four. It took him until his fourth season to get to 54 points. Oh, okay. Then he was 71, 84, 74, 82, 85, 104. 
67, 40 in the shortened season. Um, then he was 47 in 13, 14, then 76. So you see what I mean? Like, he, he had a real slow start to his career, and that's the gap. Like, you get what I mean? You, you and I are mentally thinking about when he's been a superstar, but forgetting that he took his time to get it together. And that that's the difference. Yeah, maybe so. That's the difference. And, I mean, you have a look at, geez, I tell you what, some of these years of his, his shooting percentage is like 15%, then a couple of them are like 7%. He's just been like a roller coaster with his shooting. Wow. All right, you ready for last but not least? Go for it. Rick City, formerly of the Pens blog, and one of the go-to guys on Twitter for Rob Ford updates <laughs> in <laughs> Toronto. Um, please discuss the usage of pineapple on pizza. Thanks in advance. Well, Rick, I'm going to tell you straight, straight up, if you got pineapple on your pizza, that's complete shit. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I mean, come on. If... Well, I, actually, here's where I stand on this pizza thing. If it's not an animal product, I don't want it on my pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so you won't even have onion on your pizza? No, you I, hate, I hate onions. I hate onions. Oh, wow. Yeah, but pineapple sucks. They make me cry. I, I hate it when you, you, go to a, you go to a house party or something like that and they'll buy pizza and, and because it's so hard to buy pizza for a big group of people, there'll be like three Hawaiian pizzas here, which is basically just pineapple, cheese and ham. I bet even Hawaiians uh, hate that pizza. Yeah. I just Pineapple does not make something Hawaiian. And why would you put ham on a pizza when you can put bacon on it? Yeah, it's salami and any yeah. other animal product, right? Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. We we walk we walk the same train, I think, with that aspect of our diet on a pizza. So yes, no pineapple. But yeah, Rick Rick did a wonderful job with the Pens blog for a while. Um, yeah, there's there's your answer to the pineapple. Get get the shit out of here. I think I think the official stance of the Hockey Hurts podcast is if you got pineapple on your pizza, we don't want to associate with you. Get out of the house. Okay. I think, well, yeah, I think that was the last of our questions. Yeah. And by the way, folks, I ask for these questions and I don't prepare that great. I just throw a Twitter, I throw a tweet out there, give me your questions. They don't always have to be about the Penguins. We're, we're, we're we more than base, willing to talk about these, you know, 29 other teams. asking for a non-Penguins question. That is pretty much what you're asking. We got one in regards to the Nordiques, and we sort of sidestepped it, but that's because it's for another time of the year. But, yes, questions other than the Penguins is all thumbs up from both of us. I mean, clearly, we'll always have a mini section on the Penguins, but, you know. No one cares about it. Is is Kevin Porter going to be a fourth line guy? Our listeners probably don't care about that, right? No, I, w- I would I would think I would think not. So, 
Is Kunis going to get traded? I don't think our listeners are going to care about that. Well, they, a little bit, but it's too early to, to say with that. That'll be a question that we will address in the future. It's just so five games, four games into the year. I don't think he's played that bad. Sid loves him. You can draw your own conclusions there. It's, it, and that's the exciting thing about the entire, for the entire league, is that we're five games in at the most for these teams. Everyone's still got hope. Well, maybe not Columbus, but everybody's still got hope that something's going to go right. I know Edmonton's lost four in a row, so nothing's changed there in a results sense, but the team's definitely been, been better in, in a sense. So you, you, this time of the year is exciting. It's like the first round of the playoffs. Everybody thinks they can win it, and right now everybody has hope that they're going to make the playoffs, I mean, even Columbus with their bad start. So it's it's exciting. It's just really hard to sort of draw any conclusions, though. There's just, as the... Maybe, as the maybe they'll have a closed-door locker room meeting. That that always turns teams around. Hey, if you go from giving up seven to giving up zero, it obviously works. Kick those coaches um, out. We're going to have a closed-door players-only meeting. We mean business now. <laughs> Your whole sarcasm is just... <laughs> but, yeah, so... It's, it's we'll just, turn this around. The, the, as the analytics people will say, sample size is everything, and there's just not a large enough one to start drawing some conclusions about what's going to happen for 82 games. I've always been interested to see where we're at with 10 games, and then you look at everything in sliding 10-game 10, 10 cycles from there. So it'll be interesting to see how teams' numbers adjust as they get away from this first 10-day Sample size, I suppose. But it's been nice to have the sample size to talk about. I mean, you know, yes, it has. we enjoy doing the podcast weekly, but in the summer sometimes it's, uh, you know, we had a few weeks off. We just didn't have anything to talk about. And uh, that shouldn't be the case moving forward. No, if we're struggling to do that, there's something wrong with the league. The world's ended. <laughs> Oh, geez. <laughs> so, anything else? No, I, I think I think I'm done. Okay. Well, that's it for this edition. We will see you next week.